Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. here on the Steve Jones Show on this Wednesday. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve is there in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai. Great selection of new and pre-owned inventory. Great sales staff that is there for you to save you money and not just there for the sale. All backed up by a great service department with the diagnostics, the inspections, all the routine maintenance. Many awesome technicians ready to serve you. And SMC still looking for more of those many awesome technicians. Whether you're looking for some, you're a, a career change, looking for your first job, looking for, an exp, if you're an experienced technician, you're looking for a new place, they'd love to hear from you. Stop by in person. Apply online at sunburymotors.com or you can call Todd at 286-7746. Well, the reason I had you do that was quite simple. It's the one time in the show you sounded rational. All right, so... Uh, Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. <laughs> thought I'd throw that in there. All right. So now let's get to our play-by-play call of the day. Swing and a line drive out toward left field. Benintendi going back. It's over his head, and it's gone. A home run. Trey Turner with his first home run in a Phillies uniform, and it gives the Phils a 1-0 lead here at the top of the first inning. Tommy McCarthy with the call. By the way, Trey Turner's 3-4 for four today. Matter of fact, already having a better series against the White Sox than the uh, billion-dollar man in New York. Um, the only time people have been all rising when he hits lately is when it's time to go to the concession stand. Okay, um, <laughs> this is your guy, right? Still worth every penny, yeah. He's hitting 263 at home. Yeah, not great, but, you know, it'd be nice if, like, the other eight people in the lineup, especially from six to nine, would step up more consistently. You know, that'd be great, too. Yeah, well, they're making less money than combined than he is. All right, so, um, you know, it'd be be nice if maybe he stepped up. Okay. (laughs) What's your next rant? Oh, that's about it. Uh, I would say the Yankees last night, Draymond Green and Ben Simmons. Hmm. 
those are, those are the things that I was kind of earthed by last night. Hmm. You know what really irked me last night? I'm going to go with nothing. Yes, that's true. <laughs> All right, so... <laughs> All right. Uh, I thought Matt McGloin made some really good points about the quarterbacks. It is. Uh, it's not just a growing process. It's a growing process with eventually the offense you want to run. And you know, Mike Yurcich, I think, has a better feel for what you know what each one of them can and can't do based on what the play sequencing happens to be. And that's going to be important now getting into training camp to do that. Um, They both did a lot of really good things during the course of the spring. And, uh, And that's that's important. There's also, when you look at the two of them, there's just enough similarity where you don't have to change a lot. And there's just enough difference where they can complement each other. And, for example, everyone talks about how well Bo moves. Bo moves really well, and he throws the ball well on the run. But then again, he's a good pocket passer. Meanwhile, Drew was a good pocket passer, and contrary to popular belief, he moves a little bit better than people realize. The draft, of course, is coming up in what, eight days? Eight days is round one. Yeah, week from tomorrow. Yeah, the home of the Super Bowl champions. Unfortunately, yes. No, no, they won the game. Well, I should say, fortunately for the great people of Mount Carmel, unfortunately for us Eagle fans. Okay, well, I mean, they won the game. I mean, they did, yes. At $255 million, you're not supposed to drop the ball in the Super Bowl, are you? Um, not ideal, no. I'm just kidding. He was the best player in the field. Okay. But the quarterbacks will be a centerpiece of, like, any draft. It's like any draft. There are 31 first-round picks this year. The Dolphins don't have a first-round pick. And like almost every draft, you're going to have a lot of quarterbacks that will be considered in the first round. Last year, there only one ended up being picked in the first round. was Kenny Pickett. But there have been other years where there have been as many as six. This year, the top 31 players... I really do feel that Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are among the best 31 players. Now, last year, did I think that Kenny Pickett was among the best 32 players? 
Nope. I certainly didn't think Malik Willis was, nor did he end up being. But this year, I think the top two quarterbacks, Young and Stroud, are among, in my opinion, the best 31 players. Young, in all likelihood, is going to go first. It really does seem like the tea leaves are trending in the direction of the Carolina Panthers. The question will be D'Amico Ryans and the group at Houston at two. Do they want to go with a defensive player, or do they go after the quarterback they feel they need? And to me, this is a no-brainer. You have to go after Stroud, especially considering Houston also has the 12th pick in the draft. The question is now going to be, where are the landing places for Richardson and Will Levis? So let's get to Richardson first. I watched maybe a quarter, quarter and a half of the Utah-Florida game because I was trying to get ready for the Rose Bowl and Penn State was playing Utah. So I watched four different Utah games. I watched, you know, one of them was the USC game. I think I watched the game against Oregon, Florida, and there was one other I watched. And and against Utah, Richardson looked all-world. He wasn't just good. He was great. Wow. But then I also caught, as the season went, two other games where Florida played, including, I think it was his last one against Florida State. And they both fell into the category of, you have to be kidding me. Really? And then he goes to the combine, and he puts together this all-world combine. 40-yard dash, shuttles, lifting weights, the whole deal. Now, I'd like to point out, in the games that I watched, or excuse me, yeah, yeah, in the games I've watched over the years, I've never once seen a game where they stopped and the guy did shuttles or the broad jump. Does it show his athleticism? Yes. But you're talking about a guy, you know, he only played like a little bit of the 21 season. So last year was the season. And he only completed, I mean, actually less than 54% of his passes. He had 17 touchdowns. He had nine picks. So let's go back to the the Florida State game that I said I watched. I'm like I said, I'm watching I'm like I don't get it. He was nine to twenty-seven in that game. Now he threw three touchdowns, but gee whiz. When they played South Carolina two weeks earlier, 
11 to 23, 112 yards. Really? They talk about it, what his average completion number is. Okay, that's great, but I'm sorry, but 53.8% of your passes. Just doesn't fly for me. Because in the end, it's not a track meet, it's a football game. Eighteen to thirty-seven against Georgia. Okay, now you're playing high-level competition. Okay. What was one of his better games? Oh, I don't know. Eight to ten, two hundred forty yards, two touchdowns. Right. Against Eastern Washington. Played Tennessee. 455, 453 yards, but he took 44 attempts to get there. 54.5%. Kentucky, good team. Two picks, no touchdowns, 18, 14 to 35. Really? I mean, these are games against good teams. This is what, I mean, and I know we can debate what he has around him. That part, I do understand that. Completely, We can debate the talent, but for the most part, it's not like ta- Florida has bad talent, right? Not like Florida has bad talent. And I think that's an important part of this. Florida does have good talent. Not the best, but good talent. And I think that's... In the end, I think it's the tapes that dictate what's going on. That's why I talked about the Tennessee offensive tackle. I mean, I talked about him because... He goes head-to-head with Will Anderson. Well, we all know Will Anderson's good. All of us know that. I mean, all of us know that Will Anderson's good. I think, I think he's got a chance to have a, just a great NFL career. And the tackle for Martin for Tennessee shut him out. I mean, he didn't even get close to Hooker. Just did not. I mean, now that's on-field performance. Richardson's on-field performance doesn't match the combine. I just, I, I would have a lot of trouble justifying a pick to my general manager or my coach to make. I really would. 
Then there's Will Levis. Now, Levis's numbers are better. I mean, Will was a was a plus 65% passer at Kentucky. And you look at what he did. You're talking about 43 touchdowns at Kentucky. But here's the problem. It's the 23 interceptions. That is a huge number. It's huge. He did well, though, in games... some of the bigger games. He did well. I mean, Louisville, he was okay. But against Georgia, 65%, 206, one touchdown, one pick. Okay. That's Georgia. Vanderbilt wasn't very good. Missouri wasn't. Missouri was okay. Right? Tennessee's a big game. He only threw for 98 yards in that game. 98. In a game they had to have. No touchdowns, three picks. Me, like a lot of teams, he racked up his big numbers against nondescript teams. 377 Youngstown State, 303 against Miami of Ohio, 303 against Northern Illinois. So you're talking about almost a thousand yards out of his 2,400 in three games. See, that's the issue. And again, do I want Will Levis to be a first round pick? Yes. Why? Because I know him. I personally like him not a little. I like him a lot. I really like his family. I want him to be a first-round pick. I am rooting for him to be a first-round pick. Rooting for him to be a first-round pick. But the, you know, but what's interesting about Will is I've seen him throw so many passes. I don't know how, how many thousands of passes I've seen him throw in person. Just you know, I'll, you know, I'll probably see when these guys play. They're probably throwing. I don't know, four thousand passes a year in practice. I don't know, something like that. All right. Awesome release. Good setup. Uses his legs well. When he throws the ball. Still doesn't quite pull the string enough. Is a good point A to point B runner, but the interesting part is, you know where he really struggles? He actually struggles throwing on the run. That's the odd part about it. You'd think with Will's running ability, and he has really good running ability, right? It wouldn't be like that, but it actually is a problem. But he's out of central casting. I mean, you were talking about a 6'3", 230-pound quarterback. NFL loves that. And, again, do I want him to be a first-round pick? Yes. Why? Because I'm rooting for him. Yes. If you're around him for 10 minutes, you'd be rooting for him, too. That said... I'll make it clear that when it comes to the quarterback competition when he was here, I got to watch it firsthand almost every day. And as I've said many times, and I'll I'll start by saying this. 
I've always said on the show, James Franklin knows way more about football than I do. Mike Yurisich, Manny Diaz, they know way more about football than I do. And I think I know a lot about football. They know more than I do. Mike Rhodes, I may know a lot about basketball. Mike Rhodes knows more about basketball than I do. Coaches know more than I do. Now, if they want to come and talk to me about broadcasting, now I know more about broadcasting than they do. It's my profession, just like coaching is their profession. But to my amateur eye, compared to their professional eyes, to my amateur eye, and watching day after day after day, were there days where Will Levis was the better quarterback? Yes. Were there weeks where Will Levis was the better quarterback? No. At the end of every week, I'd think back and look back and think, okay, who's the better one of the two? Well, in the end, it was Sean. And I know a lot of people have tried to make a big deal out of whether a mistake was made here or not. I mean, you can think that all you want. But it's somebody who was there and watched. My opinion was that the guy I would have picked would be the guy that ended up being the quarterback. That's just me. That's the guy I would have picked. Okay? That's just me. And that's just based on my own personal observations. I I didn't walk out of there and go, oh, yeah, okay, great, we're good. Yeah. Didn't do that. All right. Take a break. The Richardson thing is baffling because he, he does have this long list of wow, wow, wow. The one part that's not a wow, wow, wow is the tape. That's the issue. The problem is it's the tape that is, that's the part that's not wow. Come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Mm-hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 6.30 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6.30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Out of auto repair. Sports.
sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, Fourth Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 to 15, Elmo's Wharf. Online, sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, great warranties with the best in new inventory. Great pre-owned inventory with the all-important Sunbury Motors guarantee and a great service department that backs it all up with fabulous technicians. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, almost Wharf Online, sunburymotors.com. Phillies won today as they beat the White Sox 5-2. Big day for Trey Turner, went 3-5. for five. At the plate. As they get down to 8 and 11 on the year. Walker's now 2 and 1 on the year. And Alvarado did get the save in that one. They actually brought in Kimbrell to be a setup guy today. And Walker won it. Mike Clevenger took the loss. And Turner was able to get it going with a home run. Brandon Marsh homer today. And the Phillies won it 5-2. to two. The Phillies have now played 19 games. 13 of the 19 have been on the road. The Yankees are not scheduled to play 13 games this season on the road. Interesting. No, senor! No, senor! No, senor! Do you guys ever, I mean, do they even know where the airport is? Uh, Giants uh, lead the Marlins 5-2 in the uh, bottom of the 11th. Rangers lead the Royals 12-3, top of the 9th. Mets lead the Dodgers 2-1, top of the 6th. See, the Mets have to play road games, so they're out in L.A. Pirates, uh... Big first inning and now lead 9-1 over the Rockies in the top of the sixth at Coors. Cubs and A's 1-1 end to four. Brewers and Mariners scoreless end to two. Braves Padres scoreless end to two. Finals, Rays now 16-3. Beat the Reds 8-0. That was a road game for Tampa Bay, by the way. Guardians beat the Tigers 3-2. Cardinals over the D-backs 14-5. And uh, Lakers and Grizzlies tonight. Memphis. Lakers won the opener. Heat and Bucks in Milwaukee. Heat won the opener. And the Nuggets and the T-Wolves to round out the day. Nuggets won their opener in that series. And I do not believe it's an off night for the Stanley Cup playoffs. I think the Stanley Cup playoffs are... Yeah, same thing. Stanley Cup playoffs tonight. Uh, Florida and the Bruins. Bruins won the opener. Islanders in Raleigh against the Canes. Carolina won the opener. Minnesota's at Dallas. And the uh, Wild in overtime won the opener. And the Kings and Oilers in Edmonton tonight. And the Kings in overtime won the opener. Patrice Bergeron, by the way, will not play tonight for the Bruins. He is out with an injury. So, 
He has an illness. It's actually, it's not. They say it's an injury, but he's he's been out with an illness. But he had an upper body injury against Montreal, and he's not back yet. So there is your scoreboard leading up to the rest of the day. And Max Scherzer gone. He actually had an illegal substance in his glove. Yeah, okay. There you go. It's not as clever as the... I mean... I saw this gigantic um, Costco tractor trailer pull into Yankee Stadium. It's like all spider tech, right? Hey, apparently must have made a pit stop at City Field, too, before the flight out to L.A. Yeah. So, yeah, thrown and uh Tiger Woods ankle surgery might be out for the rest of the year. Oh, that's such a shame. It's, you can't root for injuries. Come on. I'm not rooting for injuries. I'm just saying it's a shame he can't play. Yeah, sure you are. Hey, you can't root for injuries. You can't. All right. But he is out. For it. Well, they think he's probably out for the year with ankle, after ankle surgery. But he's out. All right. Um, I was talking earlier about the TV part of it. Toss from game, second check of gloves. So let's a sticky substance. Shears are ejected Wednesday's game against Dodgers after umpires repeatedly checked the aces' hand and glove for sticky substance. Bill Cuzzy and played umpire Dan Bellino, the crew chief, came out to check Scherzer for a second time after he came out in the fourth inning, and they were joined by Mets manager Buck Showalter after a heated discussion and animated Scherzer was tossed from the game. Scherzer kept yelling, it's rosin. That bum in New York in the Bronx uses spider tech. Wow, I thought that was a little... No, I no, senor! No, senor! No, senor! He says it's rosin, and and he got thrown out. Thirty-eight year old was forced to change his glove after also having his hands checked by Cuzzy before he took the mound in the bottom of the third. He had allowed just one hit and three strikeouts at that point. It's his fourth career ejection, but the first time in a game that he was pitching. The th- previous three had come with him being thrown out when he was on the bench. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at the video. Uh, guess what? That's not rosin. If it'd be rosin, I could, I would be able to see it looking like chalk. His hands look wet. So, sorry, Maxie. You're out. Hmm. Well, he's out. And uh, the Mets, uh, they are winning the game, right? I think. Two to one? Yeah, they're winning. Yes, bomb six. Noah Syndergaard, by the way, is pitching in that game for the um, Dodgers. Dodgers are out to only a nine and nine start. Hmm. How about that? And the Allen Robinson trade is now official. He passed his physical. Yeah, like I mean, I, like I said, I talked to Allen on New Year's Day. 
And I talked to him for a few minutes, and you know, I talked a little bit about the injury. And you know, he thought he was he was on track to be ready to go in March. You know, that makes sense. Max shears are tossed, huh? Uh, meanwhile, the only reason they're checking gloves is your guy. Uh, no, the only reason they are checking gloves is your guy. That's the reason they're checking, aren't they? If it right? is, then so be it. That's the only reason they're checking gloves is your guy. The only reason. Pirates up 12 1. They've wrapped out 15 hits. Yay. Just, gracious. I, I'm stunned at this point. And it's not like Reynolds is like Reynolds, who's hitting 303. He's 0 for 4 today. I mean, he's having an Aaron Judge day. McCutcheon's 2 for 4. Santana's 2 for 3. Joe's 3 for 4. He's hitting 348. Castro's two for four. He's hitting 333. Okay, Matthias is two for three, 304. And then the former State College Spike, Johan Oviedo, is pitching great again. I'm happy for him. He's a nice, I mean, Oviedo's a really nice guy. You know, was born in Havana, um, Pitched here for the Spikes. They got him in the trade from St. Louis. And uh, credit where credit's due. He's been really good to start the season. Good for Johan Oviedo. He's going to get the win today. He will get the win today. He's gone his five innings. And he is going to be getting the W, which is good for him. I'm happy for him. He's going to be two and one in the season. His ERA is only two point four five right now. It's really good. Good for him. Good for him. Three years with the Cardinals now. His second season with the Pirates. Very nice. Like I said, he's a terrific kid. Like him a lot. Um. So I was talking earlier about the TV part of it. Uh, did you see what happened with the Reds and Diamond Sports, which is part of the Sinclair Group? Uh, the Reds aren't going to get their payment. And that is another uh, blow for baseball and regional sports networks. This is where everybody... I mean, to, I'll be honest with you. I had not really thought much about Regional Sports Network struggling until this year. Had not thought about it. Now, as for ESPN, here's the story. Uh, Andrew Marshand of the New York Post 
and John Orand of Sports Business Journal say that ESPN is expected to have three rounds of layoffs. And here's the quote. I think they're happening relatively soon. I think there are going to be three rounds from what I understand. In the first round, there's probably going to be less on-air talent, probably more of the working-class people, executives potentially. Okay, we're speaking now going into the podcast, and I don't know exactly. I've heard different things about when the first will come, but I think uh, there will be two other rounds of layoffs. Marshan then describes his recent writing on Marcus Spears' new deal with the company and says they're making choices. I And, and then I do think they're going to go uh, some other people who make big numbers and say, you can stay, but we're going to cut your pay in half. People are going to have to make decisions. They might end up just leaving and getting paid their full contract. Tough decision to make. To keep working and make less versus leaving and getting your full number. But where does that leave you going forward? According to them, there's still a lot of uncertainty about the specifics, which adds to the general uncertainty around the layoffs. There's been much less reported about them in advance than some of the other past rounds. They say there are notable details here from what Marshawn says specifically that the first round likely will focus on people other than on-air talent. But remember, that also deals a blow to their production unit and staffers. Kenny Maine, for example, spoke about leaving ESPN after being offered the opportunity to stay under a massive pay cut. But that was in the negotiation of a contract renewal, asking for a pay cut on an ongoing contract feels tougher. In other words, we're going to keep you, but we're only going to pay you half. Even though you already have a contract. Brett McMurphy showed with his Facebook posts in 17 and 18 that there are some workarounds. And part of it was ESPN paying him not to work for a year and a half. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with this and how they do it. But again, when you're talking about laying people off and in your production unit and telling people they need to cut back salaries and so forth, where is the money to bid on the contracts? Where? Everybody keeps talking about Oh, Notre Dame football, now that's NBC. But Notre Dame football is going to get a big... No, they'll get more, but they are not going to get what they asked for. Pac-12, trouble. You've got to save your money for the two big ones. NBA, college football playoff. Everything else, with all due respect, is small potatoes. 
Pac-12 contract compared to the college football playoff in the NBA, small potatoes. People don't want to think this about the NCAA women's tournament, but again, I don't think there's any competition for it. I think ESPN's bidding against itself. I'd be shocked if there's competition. Everybody's already invested their money. They have the properties they want. That I mean, that's a that's a big part of this. You need competition to drive the numbers up. I don't think there's competition for it. That's the Pac-12's problem. Where's the competition for the contract? They don't have one. The women's basketball tournament is really a nice property to have. But where's the competition for it? And if you give if you're looking at if you're a choice, I need to pick two. I need the college football playoff and I need the NBA. I need that. Okay? Needing something is different than than it's really nice to have. And that's what makes all this interesting. This is a backdrop as to what timing means. The Pac-12's timing is bad. Okay? The NCAA Women's Tournament has good timing right, in terms of coming off an emotional high, bad timing in terms of when the negotiation would have to take place against this backdrop. College football playoff doesn't have to worry about timing. It's good no matter what. The NBA doesn't have to worry about timing. It's good no matter what. Everybody else has to worry about timing, including Notre Dame football. All right. Back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right, back tomorrow. Uh, I know we're trying to get Reuben Frank on tomorrow. But he just he feels that one of the hosts is just too negative. <laughs> I have no idea what he would be talking about. Remember the first step toward recovery is admitting you have a problem. 